Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast. Great to be with everyone today. We are in part three of a little series here. We'll call it a mini series on the resurrection and Easter. And if you've missed the first couple, make sure you go back and listen to them. But we've got to, Scott, we've got to wrap it up. This is part three. So whatever you got to say, you got to get it out today in part three, three of the, yeah, yeah. In part three of the, the Easter podcast series. So I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Take us where you want to go. All right. So today I'm just putting forth four uh, four things that I'm engaged in to help me enter into the newness of life that springtime and resurrection offer. So these are very four pragmatic steps. They're not the only ones, but they are the ones I am really engaged in uh, currently right now to help unravel the Easter mystery uh, in my life. The first one has to do, and I think this is key, I'm a big believer in the whole Anamkara. Don't take this doggone journey by yourself. It's perilous. And I think to really unwrap and to get into the the newness of life that Jesus offers us, you know, coming out of the living school, I'm very big about transformation, but I don't always like it. So that's why you have to have somebody with you. You know, the resurrection is like calling you and it's like, oh, great. But then you got to change some things in your life. It's not always so great. So yesterday, sat with a friend. I've probably known her for three years. Spent in some of our classes, living the Celtic Way class on Thursday nights is wrapping up now. But being able to really talk to somebody about this and spiritual things and to really just sit and be quiet and pray. And we were at Panera and she had no it was not hard. I mean, just, yeah, we can pray. We can be quiet here. And it's like, yeah, she went to Naropa. Do you know school, Naropa? It's up in no. Boulder. So it's um, a spiritual school, heavily um, Buddhist, but also has a lot of Christian stuff. And she told me that for three years, uh, she had to meet with a, a spiritual mentor once a week, and she had to meditate every day for three years. And you couldn't pass if you didn't do that. And, and how just how impactful that was. We'll come back to that in a minute, but she's a really good listener and a very good discerner. And I was telling her that the longing in my heart is to really to, in Philippians, where it says, have this mind in yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, and so on, who emptied himself, which is the part, you know, she would say, by the way, there's this part, you know, the, the pouring out. And it's just invaluable to have somebody who's a good listener, who is a spiritual practitioner. It's not just a friend. This is a person who takes the journey very seriously and listens well, and then is honest in the feedback. Scott, resurrection is not grandiose. It has to do with a new life, with a new mind, and, and it's all about renewal, and it's not splashy. You have both feet on the ground and you know what it is that you're looking for. You know something, some of the old skin that you've got to shed, you know. And when somebody tells you two or three times, it's like, maybe we should pay attention to what needs to be shed. I'm like, okay, I, would, I got that. I want to know <laughs> where we're going, you know. 
So it's a lot of work. Like I've said earlier, it's not a transactional thing that just happens to us. It's an invitation, which she would say, it's an empowered invitation. Don't you like that phrase? I really like that. We're not only invited, but we're empowered to fulfill the invitation. And uh, I thought that was really good that I have a list of things that I'd like to have in my life. And she's like, yeah. And I think the Lord put those things on your heart to have in your life. And if they're put on, on your heart and to have it, then you'll also be empowered to fulfill it. And you see that all the way through nature, the budding, the growing, the movement, the markers on the vines when plants change and transform and grow. It's very much like us. The second thing that was brought up, it's like, what are we doing? It's not that Chris and I are not connected to a church. I just don't think we're as connected as we used to be, you know. So we're asking ourselves the question, how, how are we following Jesus today? Not just by not being connected to a church, but all the things we might have relied on before that a church gave us. How do we nurture ourselves? around that where do we find the nourishment how do we engage it if there's no like community around us all the time the same people which we both admitted is a problem and it's something that we miss and it's probably something that we have to do about and what works for both of us of course is at the heart of the celtic monastic movement and and that is being still and practicing centering prayer being quiet the celtic practice whatever it may be for us it also has to be consistent. You don't just water a plant on Monday and then leave it for 10 days and come back and water it a little bit again and come back eight days later and water it again. If we do that, then our life will look like my wife's plants outside. (laughs) But we have to be really consistent about that. And it really is is about the consistency you know, and she asked, so how do you do that? I said, I take the same nature path, the the same nature walk every day. And it's fueled, my awareness is strengthened by the meditation that happens upstairs in my room. There is such a gift about walking the same path through all four seasons of the year. And I'm so glad that winter is over. I get tired of walking (laughs) in the cold, but you do notice things. But now spring is here. The green is here. My steps are lighter, a little faster. Boy, my awareness is up at another level, seeing a whole bunch of goslings fill the pond. I saw a baby squirrel. I hardly ever see baby squirrels, you know? Baby bunnies sticking their heads out of the hole looking at you, you know, and just rejoicing inside. You know, we just had a snowstorm, right? We just had all this snow fall on us for two days. So right now, it's everything is green, and it's, it's freaking beautiful outside. And I'm not sure yet what it is. Maybe you can tell me. But there is something when you go outside in nature, and everything is alive, and it's beautiful, and you're right there. What is it that happens to us internally where that feels nourishing to us? Yeah, I'm not sure what it is, but I think we can all relate to it, especially when we do get to the springtime. And, you know, winter, every everything is so still. So when you're out there walking through the, the woods or through wilderness, you know, everything just feels, you know, you don't see as much 
energy around you. And then springtime comes, I too go on a walk every single day and just the sheer amount of energy that is around you. I think you, I think we respond to the energy around us, whether that's in a relationship or whether that's in nature. And when nature is energetic, I think we kind of just naturally go right into that. And I love what you're talking about here because so many people come up to me who I have met through church circles and they often are people who are not going to a church community right now and will often express how much they miss that. And the question that I've started to pose goes right along with what you've been talking about is, well, what is it specifically that you miss? And yeah. a, a couple things that they almost always mention is the connection with other human beings. Another thing is the consistency as, as you you know, just we're talking about. And so what I love about what you're saying is those things can actually reside outside of a church community. Not that a church community is bad or wrong or anything like that. Not at all. But if you're struggling to find that community in your life right now, I guess a good question is, well, where can you find those things that you're missing in other spaces? And I know I hear you talking about meeting with friends and people at pubs and things like that, or having your little church, get your little kind of house church gathering, and then creating that consistency uh, with your walk and your meditation. Those are all things that were pieces of your life within church community as well, which is, I think, fascinating and a really great point to ponder. It really is. And interesting synchronicity wise, I had so many of those right there. That conversation on Saturday, I did a a memorial service for a friend, a woman who was 58 years old. And of course, her mom was there and her two brothers and a whole bunch of people that were parishioners at Holy Family, right? So during the reception, of course, I got to kind of talk to them all. And and I found out two things. Almost all of them are no, no longer going to church anywhere. And number two, this is the question people would say to me, what are you doing for church? You know, that's what they mean, for church. It's such a loaded word. And I'm like, let's unpack that, like community. Yeah, like, you know, and then they're like, can you start something? Can you start? That's always where they go, right? That's That's always, you do it. You do it. Now we'll come. And I'm like, no. So and this is something too, Scott, that I see that it it goes across all age demographics. I was telling you earlier today that I this morning met with a couple of friends of mine. One of the, one of them is in his seventies. The other one is, I think, maybe thirty, if even. And the majority of that conversation from both of them, very different ends of the spectrum age wise, they both were having the same conversation as about, well, this I experienced at church, and I'm not experiencing it now, and I'm frustrated by this, and so it's fascinating to me that it's almost this universal desire or conversation that's happening in our world right now. It is so, so much out there. I'm going to be spending some time looking to unpack that some more because these people who made uh, comments to me like, oh, let's get together for We'll buy you dinner. Hey, you want to buy me dinner? We can talk about whatever you want. That's fine. (laughs) But you're right. That question, that existential need is prevalent now. And you're right, it's not that church is bad. One of the great things that we really pressed upon was, what is one new small thing that we can bring into the world that the world needs right now, right? 
If you're familiar at all with Aurora, Colorado, we get a bad rap about violence in our city, but it's not that it's not true. We have a lot of violence in this city, and there's we have gang issues, and we have drug issues for sure, and we have a growing number of homeless people. So we're talking seriously about when we do have these little Celtic gatherings, can we just make specific offerings to the agencies that work directly with the new homeless population here? So there's a transitional, new transitional housing place in Aurora. And then there's another group that's really out and among the street people. And they're having trouble getting funds. And so we're going to meet with the leaders of that group and we're going to talk. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to send out an email to people in our group, in our circle, who meet with us and say, these are the two groups that we've discerned who need financial aid. And they also provide opportunities for us to do hands-on packing food, lunch sacks, taking clothing right to where people are living having conversations with people who live on the street and show them some respect, some dignity, some care, uh, and helping as much as we can. Had a conversation with about five people around this already, and everybody's like, that's the other thing we miss. We need an avenue, an outlet, that brings us into contact with those in need and uh, a place where we can give our money directly into service of these people. So I was just thrilled with the idea, number one, in the conversation with the friend, and number two, is the response of the people are like, yeah, no, I haven't been giving money here or there. I have money to give and I want to give it. Let's do this. Let's. So I'm really excited about what's going to happen in the months going forward just through this little project. Yeah, that's really exciting. And I love that there's two pieces to what you just mentioned there as well. There's one part that's giving your resources, giving what you have. And then there's another part that's creating proximity between you and people that are in need. And sometimes I I noticed in a lot of my situations in church settings that within the context of that community, there wasn't that proximity, whether that church was out on the outskirts of town, just not, you know, near there, or, you know, on Sundays in my town, there's no public transportation. So people, you know, struggling on the edges and on the margins can't always get to some of those church communities. And so I do think it's important, especially if we live in places where we're not around people who have larger need than we do that right. we find space and we find ways not not because we're some sort of saviors that are coming down to save the day no. but as as you talk about with your work so much there's so much that we learn by being around as Jesus would say the least of these and i think there's a very specific reason why he talked and and put importance on groups of people who had more needs than others because there's something we can really learn there Yeah, it's a mutual thing. You're right. I'm not coming down to serve you because I'm above you, right? We're all in this together. We are all in this together. I'll never forget a conversation I had with a homeless gentleman once. And he said, you know, all these people that I see in, you know, who are successful in life, he said, I just see them like wild animals that are just constantly chasing their tails. And he said, my goal in life is to walk with my tail straight. So I keep going forward. But he said, he sees everybody around him just chasing their tails. I thought, (laughs) well, that's some perspective. That is some perspective. I like that a bunch. 
Yeah. The last thing came uh, crystallized for me through this memorial service. I had mentioned to you that I think the newness Jesus uh, invites us to requires a deep dive, and therefore it takes time. It's not something I can say, oh, I have this idea for this deep dive I need to do in my life, and there, I'll journal about it, and that'll be it. You know, no, that's not it. You, you get some kind of a prompting from the Holy Spirit. I, I, when I read through the Celtic saints, I see how so often people like Columba and Aiden and the rest of them, they come to this crossroads, which was unexpected a lot of times. Like, oh, here I am, and I'm in the crossroads of my life. This has been presented to me. Now I have to make a decision, and they go down this path believing uh, that this is the right way to go. And it leads them to a place that they would have never anticipated, right? And some of them do the most radical things. Aiden, St. Aiden, gave away his prized horse one time to a beggar, you know. And uh, Bridget, you know, gave away, gave away her father's sword. It's this whole detachment thing and everything. But the deep dive that really has presented itself for me, uh, and it's, it's interesting that it comes to me in springtime and resurrection, it's worn out beating of an old drum, but it's like slowing down. I would be embarrassed to show you my calendar right now because it's so crammed full of stuff, you know. And, uh, but it's about slowing down and applying some of the wisdom, I think, that I've gained over all these years about establishing rhythm and paying attention, you know. So things that are obvious in the spiritual journey that we have to be reminded of over and over again. But so many times I read through the Celtic saints that these people who did a lot were really slowing down and listening as they go. They paid attention. They were aware. They were aware when their ego was pushing them on. Oh, I think I should do this, you know. And they were aware when the Spirit said, come and do this. And I know it doesn't look fun, but come and do this anyway. And as I was preparing for this memorial service, I was thinking about Erin's life. She had won national awards for music. She published albums. And she's, she was heavily involved in the music industry. She did like one project at a time. She did it thoroughly. She did it broadly. It's really what made her stand out. As the years passed, Erin became very sick with COPD and some other lung issues. And she had to stop doing some jobs. And she did another job. She worked for the airlines for quite a while for United. And, and she was uh, quite a personality at United. And one of the, her supervisors got up and talked about her. And, and the people would say, oh, Aaron's on your shift. How are you going to control her? And, the, and she would laugh. She goes, you don't control Aaron. You just watch and stay out of the way, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And as she, her health deteriorated, the thing that stood out to me about her is her consistency in going way out of the way to help individuals that most of society overlooked and would just soon go away and push them aside. She would make these visits to, to people in their houses who were in wheelchairs, who were on oxygen, which, by the way, she was also. She never let anything stop her. Uh, 
and the care that she had for either very, very small groups of needy people or individuals. And she would do these things and and she would never make a big deal about it. You wouldn't know until somebody would call me on the phone and say, you wouldn't believe what one of your parishioners, which Erin really wasn't, she was more friend than parishioner, what one of your parishioners did for me. And that's how I found out. Not that Erin came and told me. And I just thought, you know, when we talk about we're not doing anything with or for the church right now, but how can we still do those things? We can open our eyes to very, very lonely aged, needy individuals and pay attention to them as if they were Jesus themselves. That's what Erin would say. She was like, if you saw Jesus over here in the corner alone, struggling to walk to the bathroom, you'd be there to help him. Well, by the way, that is the great recognition scene about Easter, isn't it? That we recognize this risen Christ in everybody. And here he is presenting an opportunity for us to be with them, right? And I just thought, okay, there's a lot of work I need to do on myself, honestly, in order for me to get to that place. That's a shift in priorities. That is a a death knell to the ego. That is a reorientation about what's important. Who's important? What am I willing to do to really step up and to be in that place, not seeking any recognition? That's really beautiful. Yeah, it reminds me of of my wife, Susie, as well, who is a much more spiritually sound person than her husband is. And she too, you know, a phenomenal musician, as you know, and she's, Mm -hmm. you know, sounds like Aaron as well, has just had, had great success played in front of thousands of people, been out in New York and all over the place. And now, and she's, you know, we're the same age. Now what she does and what brings her great joy is she goes into elderly homes and plays music with dementia uh, residents and tries to make them smile. And every time she comes home, she just won't stop talking about how beautiful the experience and the time was, uh, oh, the residents yeah. there. And I think, you know, we can all take that, you know, with Aaron and with Susie for them, it's, it's music, right. But for the rest of us or others of us, you know, what do we have? Doesn't have to be money. What do we have in our being and our ability that we can bring to whoever's in our circle, who's ever in our sphere, whether that's people who are living on the streets, whether that's people who are living in, you know, memory care facilities, whether that's people struggling with disabilities, you know, the, the needs are endless. It's just a matter of deciding and taking, as you mentioned, kind of this last point, right? Taking the time, slowing down to ask yourself the question of where can I be of service? Where can I be of service? Yeah. So true. Such an invitation. Reflecting on the road to Emmaus story, Jesus is made known to them in the breaking of the bread, and then he vanishes, right? And there they are left. Yeah. So listening today at our prayer meeting on Zoom to one of my friends uh, saying how these people in uh, Africa helped him understand that story different. You see, his disappearance wasn't leaving them alone. And it wasn't anything about abandonment. It was, I showed up 
the breaking of the bread, I gave you everything you need. I'm empowering you. Time for me to leave and for you to get to work. Christ is risen. He is risen in us, is the name of that story. To support the Celtic Way podcast, be sure to subscribe to it, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to become a sustaining member, please go to our website at www.celticway.org. Find us on Facebook at Celtic Way.